Welcome to the Prime Leadership Podcast, where we keep you informed about the newest trends and discussions in the UK engineering and manufacturing sector. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Prime Workforce, dedicated to assisting leaders in engineering and manufacturing across the UK in recruiting the right talent for their leadership and management needs. Visit prime-workforce.co.uk. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Boris Sergo, who's the Head of AI for Comtrade Digital Services. Boris, could you give our listeners an insight into who you are, your experience and a lot about, about Comtrade Digital Services? Hi Terry, thanks for inviting me. So Comtrade Digital Services, it's an international company that is offering uh, all sorts of consulting and uh, software engineering services. So the part of the company where I work is focused on basically helping our clients implement artificial intelligence services. And actually, UK and Ireland are one of our most important markets for that. Good. And, and can you give us an insight into your experience then, Boris? You know, as head of AI, you know, what, what, what are you responsible for and, and how did you get there? Yeah, so, you know, in, in the beginning of my career, I was a researcher. I actually started uh, from theoretical mathematics but then I got more and more enthusiastic for applied work. So at some point, I started my own company, a startup that was focused on artificial intelligence, especially on computer vision and also in an area of manufacturing. But then I've made the switch to a much bigger system. So now I lead this department for, for AI, and also I'm in charge of the partnership network, the AI Collective, since um, Comtrade is... Uh, very much oriented in building relationships with other partners when doing when doing projects, and so uh, you know this gives me a really good kind of starting point to work at you know many different areas. So obviously manufacturing, medical technology, smart energy; these are all kind of sectors that we that we. And interesting, and obviously we are focusing on the manufacturing element, and that's good timing to introduce the topic that we're going to discuss today, which is artificial intelligence within manufacturing and you cover the UK so our listeners would be very interested to find out you know the benefits the purpose you know and 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 and, and you and obviously you cover the UK so so that is very very relevant to what our listener base is so Boris I'll put it over to you then give us an insight then for AI and manufacturing yeah so in, in Kind of uh, in, in in order to to understand the position of manufacturing in in terms of AI, it's good to to put also this whole AI in terms of uh, where it is in the larger dig, dig, digitalization process. So in, in in digitalization, basically what we are doing is we are trying to move from kind of a real world to a digital one. Um, and uh, always the idea is that after we move all these data and processes into a digital world, then the AI systems will be able to give us some insights since they are very much tailored to processing this digital data. And the problem maybe in manufacturing, it was that manufacturing is a very, very real world oriented business. So not so much like you know advertising or something similar. So maybe in this initial wave of AI, the manufacturing didn't have such benefits as some other companies. And I think that this is about to really change because what we can see now is a very strong direction you know, from the digital to the real-world applications of, of AI. 
interesting. And and what areas of AI do you, do you see as being most relevant for manufacturing companies? Yeah, so I mean there are obviously different areas of AI that that have found uses in manufacturing. So I would point out especially computer vision. This is definitely an area of AI that, that saw a lot of use already in manufacturing. And, uh, of course, robotics. This is a yeah, bit yeah. of an interesting story because, you know, not all robotics is very heavy in AI. So I, I think that the, the generation, the next generation robots that will really be uh, supported by advanced artificial intelligence systems will be much different than what today you usually see in factories. Interesting. And, 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 and obviously I'm looking at it. So, so, you know, would AI be as relevant for, for a cake manufacturing company as well as, as much as what it is for an automotive company? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very, very kind of horizontal technology that can be used by many different you know, types of manufacturers. Usually the, the main difference, at least up to now, was that you know, bigger companies, bigger systems had an easier entry into AI. And they had an easier time of building internal teams that could experiment with this technology as, you know, some of the smaller manufacturers. However, we are, we are fortunate today that the, the barriers to entry in, in AI are getting lower and lower. So obviously it will spread more even among smaller companies. Okay, and just try to put a visual on it. So you mentioned about computer vision in manufacturing in, in particular. You know, could you give us some sort of an insight into how companies are using this? So manufacturing companies, how companies are using computer vision? Yeah, so obviously there is one natural use of computer vision in manufacturing, probably the most common one, and that is to use, uh, to use it for visual quality control. So basically to use cameras and algorithms to automatically detect which, which products are defective. Another, another kind of use of computer vision is in predictive maintenance. So that we monitor with cameras critical pieces of machinery and detect whether there are some you know, visual anomalies and uh, set an alarm before something bad really happens. Um, okay. You know, however, now you know these are kind of the use cases that already were quite spread, well spread around. But what we are seeing now is applications in safety and security, especially now even you know with all the the, the virus situation. And you can have uh, c- cameras monitoring whether people are wearing their protective equipment, uh, so protective equipment, things like that. And also, you know, um, one area that people usually don't even connect with with AI, but it's really very well connected, is art- augmented reality. So you know, in, in Industry 4.0, there's always this these images of people wearing helmets and and stuff. But yeah. in order to make these systems really really useful. In, in real-world contexts, uh, not just uh, online images, you really have to integrate them very tightly with, with basically uh, vision AI systems so that, you know, actually algorithms recognize what are you looking at, what object are you holding, and provide you then with augmented reality information. And is it, so, so, so you're touching on the other, more of these systems take, take, a, take a bit of time to learn, you know, a specific environment? Is that what you mean? Uh, so, sorry, can you can you? Can you mean the systems take a bit of time to learn a specific environment? Yeah, I mean, of, of course. I mean, the uh, kind of that there is there is two dualities to this. So, one is you know how to how to do the learning, and then the other one is how to do inf- inference, right? 
So after you you have a model that is learned on on training data, then you can you can just use it to run it. You you don't have to update it all the time, but just yeah. from time to time. And and and, and obviously, our listeners, you know, would what what would be useful would be to find out, you know, with your experience. What are some of the barriers that companies do face when implementing the computer vision systems within the factory? Yeah, so w- w- one barrier in computer vision is definitely actually it's scarcity of data. So this is sometimes surprising to people because now we, we always talk about how there's more and more and more data. But actually, for example, in, in, in quality control, what we are seeing now is that often the batches get smaller in manufacturing. And also, as our manufacturing processes get more efficient, there is less defective uh, defective products. So then it's an issue how to gather, you know, many thousands of samples or even more of defective uh, defective products, right? And also, there is this quite uh, a painful process sometimes of of actually labeling where the defects are, and you have to not only say this image is defective or not, but you have to go pixel by pixel by pixel and annotate. Where exactly is is uh, you know the defect that you want to detect, and also of course the the computational resources you know this this can be an issue for some for some use cases, and uh, last but not least the the complexity of developing the models itself. I've mentioned that the the barrier to entry is is getting lower. However, usually putting those systems in production is still quite a, a complex undertaking. And and and. Given your experience, okay, so I'm looking to 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 put in a computer uh, vision system within my factory. Um, you know, you've seen you know how that's done good and how that's done bad. How how would I, as a senior leader, be able to prepare the factory for that transition? What's the best way I can sort of, um, have that platform ready? Yeah, so I mean, obviously. I think in general, when we are talking with with systems for quality control, visual quality control, you can go in two directions. So there there is always some you know low hanging fruit in terms of quality detection, and you can solve this by by you know just implementing off the shelf finished products that yeah. are that are you know aimed at this. But often what we see is that you have you know, complex cases that that require very very customized solutions. So in these cases, if you don't have a, a kind of an in, internal team that is that, that has this knowledge, then you are facing basically two choices: either you build one, which is quite difficult and usually a slow process, or you you rely on an outside partner. And both both directions have their downsides. So, for example, one thing that I've recently learned about, and I think it really works quite well also from some of my experience, is what they are doing in Singapore. So Singapore is one of the most advanced countries in terms of AI, and especially in terms of how they're, they are creating talent that, that has this knowledge. And then they have this type of project that they call it 100 experiments. And yeah. it's, a, it's kind of, basically, they, they, they hire a person who is in a way he's a trainee or she or she is a trainee and then an outside consultant basically serves as his mentor so the outside consultants do the most you know complex high added value work while in the meantime they are 
they are training someone who is who will take the role of a data scientist in the company. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you have to have this synergy in order to for the project to be successful. Interesting. And if I'm picturing my head as we're speaking as well, right, we're talking about these programs and whatever else, I'm, I'm automatically thinking I've got to be a, a, a decent-sized manufacturing facility, but I don't think that might be the case. I mean, smaller manufacturing companies might not have anything at all. You know, um, you touched on off-the-shelf products and stuff like that, but what would be the best way for a small manufacturing company to kind of proceed to start on the journey of artificial intelligence? For their business, yeah. So I mean, ob- obviously, I think that if 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 you're talking really really small companies, I mean, you know, less than less than a hundred people, maybe, you know, yeah. it's not necessarily to think that they they really have to have an, an AI ex- expert. You know, it's not it's not always the case. I mean, but whenever you go for larger systems, I think that it would be really good to have at least one person. If not for them to develop the systems themselves, but to serve as a kind of a contact point for all the different vendors, for all the different outside corporations, so that there is really someone who has the know-how, who you know, who who, who cannot be uh, who who really knows his stuff, you know. So yes. he can make good judgment whether the offers are are good or not, and things like that. The way I would see this is as being justifiable within even a small small manufacturing company. If you're a ten million turnover business, and this, you know, you might be looking to invest a million pound in AI, but that that project would potentially pay itself off after twelve or twenty four months potentially. So it would make sense, you know, if you're making that business call, even three years, five years, it doesn't matter. Give me an idea, Boris. What's the sort of average? You know, realistic budget that you would say is realistic, and when could somebody expect a return on investment, or is it all dependent on that particular business? What that business does is it is it very specific as a general? You know, so I mean, it really depends on on what you are trying to achieve. So I think that you know, initially when when companies are starting out in this area, they can get a lot of value by doing smaller proof of concept projects. But mm-hmm. they, they shouldn't maybe aim too high with these very first initial projects because the purpose of such projects is usually, maybe it's not so much to, to have a re- really a great success in you know, whatever uh, KPI you have set out in the beginning, but maybe to, in a way, test the readiness of your systems and you know, to, to, to learn from the mistakes that you will almost always make when... when yeah making such an undertaking undertaking in the first time. So I, I, I really think that in AI, it's really an area that is good to initially make smaller iterative experiments. And then after you have this initial knowledge, then, then go for, for higher value, big ticket projects. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that makes sense. And I can see that working, especially, I mean, some people that you, you'll speak to won't be tech savvy at all, but what they will understand is the benefit of having that within their business or organization to take it into you know, the next phase of, of business growth. Um, you know, how, how, how do you give that, you know, a business owner that sort of reassurance? Because a, a lot of people will be thinking you're speaking a different language at times, you know, um, in terms of what you're doing, the process, you know, you know, 
you know, for the, for even robots, you know, when you're talking about robots, etc. How, how, how would you give a business owner the reassurance that this is the best way, you know, this is the best product for their business? This is, you know, how, 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 would, how would you go about that? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, being in this business, one one quickly learns that, you know, it's not it's not uh, really a good approach to to try to be always too technical in this, right? So it's it's hard to to convince even the experts sometimes by talking in formulas. H- however, you know, it's I, I think that even for someone who is not maybe coming from a very technical background, it's a really good idea in these times to to maybe you know learn at least a bit. Not very technical stuff, but you know there are some there are m- many courses now that are really aiming at this business audience. So how to how to explain the, the kind of the key concepts to them without burdening them with you know mathematics that's in in in, in behind this you know just focus yeah, yeah. on the on the use cases. And and, and 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 if someone's listening to this this podcast or video. Um, Boris and they're thinking, do you want to know what? That's interesting. It's something I want to look into a bit further. You know, what you, you mentioned some courses, etc. There, is there any specific course or a book or a you know that you, you would recommend for somebody to kind of read into, make sure it's for them before reaching out to someone like yourself? Yeah, so I would say that I mean, I just recently came across it, and and for someone maybe who really needs a very high level introduction to AI. It's this course, it's called Elements of AI. It was developed in Finland and basically the, the goal that they set out for themselves was to educate 1% of their entire population uh, about AI. And they've made this course, it's, it's, it's quite good because it, it aims at you know, the general audience, but it provides value. So maybe, maybe start off with that. And I'll put that down in the comments actually. I'll put that down there. I'll find that in Google somewhere, or you can, you know, we'll catch up after, and you can send me. Put me yeah, in the right that's, a, that's a good idea, I think. You know, I, I've I've heard that it had really nice results in, in Finland, so that it uh, really encouraged more people to to go to kind of technical universities. Also, the the share of women who go there has risen since they started with the course. So I think it's a good idea that as many people as possible see it, and you know, it's in English also, so. And yeah. finish first. Uh. And, and obviously, we're covering the benefits of AI. You know that, that that's what we're covering there, and and and, and why someone should start thinking about it, etc. But with your experience, what is a problem that's currently the most interesting to you right now? What what is there any issues with AI or problems? Yeah. So you know that a lot of the the successes from ai that we that we talk about in a lot in the media and so on if if you if you look at the bottom of them it's it's basically it's pattern recognition so you know put a lot of data into the system and the system learns how to recognize some patterns and if the underlying patterns change often the system stops working so what we are seeing now there's a lot of debate in how to make the machines capable of reasoning. So you know that even if the underlying patterns change, that they are able to react in a way that's a bit similar to what humans do. And there's a lot of debate whether it is possible to achieve this goal with the current systems that are based on neural networks. So people are saying that it's time for a, for a, new, a new approach that's maybe kind of a hybrid between 
neural and a symbolic approach. And this is, I think it's really exciting, exciting stuff currently. So, you, you know, 10 years ago when, you know, there were signs that this whole deep learning revolution will happen and it will change so much. I'm seeing some signs that this is the area where maybe the next, the next major revolution in AI will happen. But, you know, it's, it's hard to predict, okay. I guess. So machines actually reason, and so 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 to, to kind of put that into, a, into a, a a visual, you know, would that be like so? For example, if we go back to the cake factory, so the machines are learning how much is the output on an hourly basis, weekly basis, whatever it might be. However, if um, if there's a downtime in terms of maintenance for the machinery, there's a dip in that. Is that does that mean that basically whatever the tolerance is, it's set up? then this machine can reset to go down to a different level, but still within the same tolerances? Or yeah, so I think that I can give you the best, the best examples, um, yeah. you know, are, are from ro robotics. You know, because in robotics, there, you, the, the intelligent agent will be in, in constant uh, interaction with the physical environment. And in the physical environment, you, you can have all sorts of things happen and it's hard to program all of them in advance. Yeah. So, you know, may, maybe it will be, you know, let's say that, that a machine notices in its working space an, an, an object that shouldn't be there, right? Okay. And, you know, you know, people will usually will be able to handle this situation. You know, maybe, maybe they will pick the object up uh, if it's not dangerous and, you know, put it somewhere where it isn't bothering them. With machines currently, it can, it, it can break all sorts of things because if this is a pattern that they haven't seen before, you know, they cannot react. And, and you know, if we manage to solve this problem, we will be able to have robots that, are, that have a much more natural way of interacting with their environment. And also maybe robots that, you don't have to program ev everything into them manually, but maybe they can just look at you working and from that, from your interactions with your surrounding, learn what they basically should do. So that, that is, I think, the next generation of collaborative robots where it will be, you know, real, real collaboration, not just, you know, the, the fact that if they are pushing and meet some resistance, they stop because this is basically how how the collaborative robotics more or less is defined currently. It's all, it's, it's, it's all really exciting, actually, because I think, you know, I mean, I, I've known about artificial intelligence for, for, for a few years, you know. I, I actually tested it out in our recruitment business probably about two years ago. But basically, what it would do, to give you an example, Boris, basically what it would do is um, if you are recruiting a role, so say it's a production manager for this cake company again, so production manager for a cake company, you put up the job spec, it'll pull some keywords out of it, but more importantly what it will do, it will search for competitor companies as well, companies of similar size within a geographical area, and then it'll look for the key individuals who are similar in terms of the skill set that's on that profile. So what you actually what it actually does is it pulls you up a shortlist straight away. So typically as a recruiter, I would normally have done that whole process. Well, this actually accelerates all that. Uh, unfortunately, you know, when we tested that out, you know, and it was a it was a good investment as well, you know, it was a lot of cash. It, it wasn't as smart is what I thought it was, or what it's meant to be, you know, and and 
and it took a lot to learn and it wasn't as accurate. The idea was fantastic, but the results were kind of poor in terms of it was really well sold in terms of the product, but the results didn't, didn't come off the back of that. But obviously this is two years on. I'm guessing things are far more advanced. You know, but that was that was my one experience with AI, but it's something I'm going to look at actually after this conversation. I'm going to have a wee look again. I can't remember the company's name again. Anyway, it's some American company. Um, but yeah, you know, there's benefits not just within manufacturing, a lot of different industri- industries. And as you say, it's about the next ind- industrial revolution potentially. You know, that's the accelerator I would see is artificial intelligence to, you know, get, you know, it's, it's just a different ballgame altogether. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, the, the experience that you mentioned, I, I think it's it, it's it's really reasonably common, simply because you know there's there's so much very nice words in the media, so much expectations. I mean, yeah. the fact is that I mean AI is 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 really useful and it is already really useful today. However, it it hasn't yet reached that kind of general level so you have it yeah. successful but in very niche niche applications you know so for example in manufacturing if you want to build a system for quality control it can be it can be excellent and it can have you know a superhuman level of performance and so on but when you move towards you know areas like you mentioned so determining whether this person is a good fit for this role you know it's a it's a much but less specific type of, of uh, assignment However, yeah, no, I wouldn't be betting on, on that system staying, you know, lower no. than expectations for a long time. I, I, I agree with you. And, and actually, it's good to know because it just means that I've still got a job for, a, for the next foreseeable future anyway. Um, but, I, I, you know, I do see the benefit within AI. I think being an early adopter, you know, some things will work well and some things might not. But actually, the stuff that worked well, should be highly beneficial to your business, you know, because what you're doing is then automating a process or whatever it might be and saving resources and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and as you said, you know, you could you could take an off-the-shelf product, test it out, see how it goes, and then you can always bolt onto that or tweak that, you know, as as and when you go as well. But what what you should be is ahead of the competition in terms of what you're doing, you know. And if you're on the front foot, you know, you're 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 taking the positives with the negatives. One thing to finish up with, because we're talking about positives and negatives here, what is the one thing you're most worried about, Boris, in terms of AI? Yeah, so um, it's it's questions especially relating uh, to ethics. So, you know, but not ethics in ju- just whether the what AI systems are doing, whether it's whether it's good, whether it's okay, but also kind of a society-wide ethical considerations. You know, since I think it's inevitable that automation will lead to larger social inequality. And it's really, it has me worried whether the society as a whole will realize in time that maybe that's not not a good direction and we need to implement correct safety nets to to prevent this. And and also maybe relating to ethics is that sometimes I'm worried when I'm seeing, you know, all those kind of, you know, smart expert people, maybe working in some use cases of, of AI. Um, you know, I won't name them, so nobody yeah, yeah. insulted. So much effort goes into something that really I don't see having a larger benefit to to society as 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 a whole. So, you know, these these ethical considerations really are 
are, I mean, troublesome in, in the field of AI and should be dealt with, uh, you know, great care and, and focus. And, and I think the benefit of having you on, Boris, is you've been, you've been, you know, within this sector for a long time. You've got a lot of experience. You've, real, you've got a real passion for it because you can hear that when we're actually speaking. What, uh, if I was a business owner and I was wanting to get in touch with you to learn a bit more, you know, what do you handle? So, so what does your business handle in terms of? Is it the would it be the end to end process? You know, give us an insight then. What um, contract digital services would offer a potential business owner? Yeah. So basically, we we have kind of a, a three directions that we go in in terms of services. So the first one is we have something we call pop up labs. So this is kind of aimed at businesses who just want to have a a first dab into AI, so you know it's more kind of a, a consulting service that nevertheless gives maybe a, a short proof of concept whenever possible to the to the to the client. The second area is everything that is related to prototyping and creating POCs, so kind of a support in research and development. And the last thing, um, which is of course uh, very close to us, is being a kind of a mostly software engineering company is is putting ai systems into into production or you know taking some existing prototype or poc and 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 doing everything that we can so that it scales through through the larger context of the organization good and and how would somebody reach out to you what's the best method for somebody to reach out to you yeah, so I mean, obviously you can you can go to our website comtrade.ai or you can you can send me an email so boris.sergol at comtrade.com. Perfect. And I'll put that in the comments as well, just so people. Yeah, can that would be great because you know it's maybe it's not. Uh, yeah, that's so why we had to double check just before recording. Um, Boris, I'd like to thank you very much. I was very informative. I enjoyed that. Really do. Uh, really did. Sorry, and and and, and the reality is, but I, you know. I, there is a, I think there's I think there's a cautious approach within manufacturing sector where people want to embrace technology and artificial intelligence and digitalizing their business in some shape or form. But I think a lot of people hold back as well. And hopefully that insight that you were able to give gives someone the, the opportunity to think, do you want to know what? Let's put the toe in the water and see how it works and hopefully in years to come you know, it proves to be very, very beneficial to that business and business owner. And they're glad they listened to this podcast that we've just done. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So th- thank you so much, Terry, for inviting me. It was a really nice conversation. So um, I, I, I do hope that uh, businesses get some, some value out of this. Thanks for listening to the Prime Leadership Podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you would leave us a rating and a review on Spotify and Amazon Music. Subscribe whilst you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.